0: Well, it looks like everybody survived a thunder thundersleet uh, this week. Um, and uh, I don't know about you, but uh, our house kind of became uh, headquarters for all the neighborhood kids. Uh, I gave up uh, trying to sweep and mop um, within the first three hours. And so uh, Sarah's out of town with the cheer thing, and so she doesn't get back till tomorrow. So I've got like so much grass and dirt in my house that uh, I can't wait till she gets home to get that done. So, but I'm joking. And if you know me, you know, I'm joking. That stuff will be clean today. I promise you that. So um, anyway, well, we are um, taking this 30,000 foot view uh, from um, of the Bible and hitting these uh, main stories and in our series called Storyline. And so for the next 10 months, I mean, this is an 11-month series. Um, for the next 10 months, uh, we're gonna go from beginning to end, from Genesis to Revelation and see this, this single thread that runs all throughout Scripture that point us to Jesus and his gospel. And, and his gospel, just so that we're all on the same page, is that God is doing all the work of salvation here, okay? We contribute absolutely nothing. Okay. But that God does all the work of salvation and it's just you and I trusting in what's already been done for us. And we talked about that last week, that you know, salvation is not, you know, God comes halfway and and we come halfway. Okay, it's not God comes 75% of the way and we come 25% of the way. It's not even God comes 99% of the way and we, we come 1% of the way. It's God saying, I'm gonna come in the flesh to earth, live the life you can't live, die the death that you deserve. And all I'm asking is that you put your trust, your faith, your confidence in me and me alone in the name of Jesus. That's what salvation is. That's what the gospel is. And that thread runs all the way through scripture. Just give you a brief recap of where, where we've been so far. Uh, Genesis 1 and 2, uh, the first week we saw that uh, God created uh, the heavens and the earth and he created man. And what that means is that you and I are created in the image of God. And as a result of that, you and I, we have value because we were created in the image of God. And not only do you and I have value, but everybody we lay eyes on has value because they were created in the image of God. And if we wanna take that a step further, what that means is even the people who make our lives difficult have value because they were created in the image of God. And you and I, the other side of that coin, because we're created in the image of God, we are hardwired for relationships and community. We looked at Genesis chapter 3 and uh, Satan with Adam and Eve, he didn't go after, you know, believing in the existence of God. Uh, He went after trusting in the goodness of God. And when he got them to question the goodness of God, sin entered into this world and all hell broke loose, literally. And yet we see Jesus all through that story that God goes into action in pursuing Our hearts. Last week we talked about Noah and and, in Genesis six through nine, and how um, you know God's favor was on Noah, and and we have to be careful not to see Noah as the hero of the story. And that word favor uh, doesn't mean he did something to deserve God's God's grace, but that word favor means grace. It's translated in other places in the Old Testament as the Hebrew word for grace. And God's grace, God put his grace on Noah. And as a result, Noah lived, was a man of faith. And today we get to the story of Abraham. And just a little confession, I've had the wrong perception of Abraham most of my life. Because when when I heard about the story of Abraham and how Abraham was a great man of faith and that God blessed him, I always thought that God blessed him because he was a great man of faith. But what we're gonna see today is that's not the case. What made Abraham great was the call of God on his life, was God's grace, God placing his grace on his life, just like he places it on us on our lives. And so today, we're gonna to see three things about the call of God on Abraham's life and on our lives. Let me just give them to you up front, okay? And then we'll unpack them as we go along. But what we see today, we see the power of God's call, uh, we see the heart of the call of God, and we see the result of the call of God. So we see the power of, God, uh, of the call of God, the heart of the call of God, and the result of the call of God. So just to kind of get us... Um, kind of getting this from our minds into our hearts. Um, I need some audience participation in here. So when we talk about the power of God, let's kind of make this, you know, it's the power. Everybody do this with me. We're talking about what? The, the power, the power of God. Okay, then we're gonna talk about the heart of God's call. Just put your hand over your heart, okay? So we have the what? And then we have the what? And then we have the result of God's call. Just everybody put your hands. Out like this. this is where we're going to end up, by the way, today, okay? Uh, spoiler alert. So one more time, we have, the, we have the heart and we have the result. Okay, you guys are cheating, uh, but I think we're going to get that in our head. So, so let's just start um, with the what? The power of God's call in our lives. So if you'll turn to Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11, if you didn't bring your Bible, so we're going to put it up on the screen uh, for us. But our story starts about Abram, or Abraham, um, but he's Abram here, um, in chapter 11, verse 27. It says, this is the account of Terah's family line. That Terah became the father of Abram, Nahor, and Haran. And Haran became the father of Lot, while his father Terah was still alive. And Haran died in the Ur of Chaldeans. In the land of his birth. And Abram and Nahor both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, and the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. And she was the daughter of Haran and the father of both Milcah and Iscah. Now, Sarai was childless, remember that, because she was not able to conceive. And Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter in law Sarai. The wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to the land, to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there, and Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. Now, you say, well, can, why why is that significant? Well, what we have here is, is human history has really come to a dead end when it comes to knowing God. That human history has, has come to a dead end. That Genesis 1 through 11 is the story of the spiraling down of the human race. That the human race, uh, chapter after chapter, year after year, century after century, ha- have become more corrupt and more evil and more broken. And, and as you read uh, Genesis 1 through 11, there's, there's one ray of hope in a single family. Because in Genesis four and five, we read about Seth. And Seth is the third son of Adam and Eve. And it says in Genesis chapter four and five that Seth called upon the name of the Lord. And the name Seth, it means to worship the Lord. And so Seth's family is the one family who had knowledge of the one true God. But by verse 27 of chapter 11, we reach the end of the line. Because terah, it literally means moon. And the Ur of the Chaldeans was the center of moon worship. And so we have the last family who knew who God was and why we exist has gone over to idol worship. And this family not only lost it spiritually, but they also lost it physically. Because Sarai was not able to to bear children and her barrenness was an effective metaphor for the hopelessness that had settled in on the human heart. And this text tells us that there's no foreseeable future, that the human race had hit rock bottom in a dead end and nobody could do anything about it and for all intents and purposes, it's over. Until God speaks. And when God speaks, there's hope once again. See, the call of God on Abram's life and the call of God on our life is a powerful thing. And the call of God on Abram's life is absolutely gracious. And the simple fact that God would call Abram is a sign of his grace. Because here's where God is heading that we're going to see play out is that God wanted a powerful nation to show the world that he was the one true God. And he could have adopted any nation. Okay, He could have adopted Egypt. Egypt was an established Influential and very powerful nation. He could have adopted Egypt if he wanted to, but that's not how God works. So, watch, listen, don't miss this. God works in ways that show maximum glory for himself. That God works in ways that show maximum glory. For himself, I mean, just think about this story right here, what we know so far. Abram was a moon worshiper with a barren wife. Abram was not a good guy. He was not a faithful man. He was unqualified at best. And I think that's where I can relate to Abram. And I think that's where most of us kind of can relate to Abram. Because there, there are days and there's more days than there ought to be that, that, that we know we're a good person. But if we were just being honest with ourselves and honest with God, we know we're not that good, right? I mean, we know that we're inconsistent at best and we don't always put God first. I mean, just to show of hands, anybody ever put God first in every situation, every single day? Look around at who's raising their hand. No one because we can relate to Abraham. Abraham, he he was unqualified. How many times do you and I feel unqualified that we feel like we don't know enough about God? And that's one of the main reasons why we have this 1045 class is to double our intake and understanding of God's word. I mean, I would love to go to this class because there are times that I feel unqualified, but I have a previous commitment at 1045, okay? But, but, but we want to encourage you to go, to, to double the intake. I mean, you're already here. What's one more hour? You'll still beat the Baptist to brunch, I promise you. I used to be a Baptist, okay? By the time you get to the restaurant, they're singing, you know, just as I am for the 30th time, okay? I promise you, you'll beat them. But as Tanner said, as we began this, this series, like, you know, they've done studies that show that people who engage the word of God at least three times it, it, during the week, there's not much difference in their lives. But that fourth time makes a ton of difference. And you, you, you've got the 9.30, and then you've got the 10.45, you're halfway there. And you're like, well, can I count Sunday morning as two? I don't know. They're, sure, go ahead, count it as two. There's no rules here. But we want to... There's times we feel unqualified and we don't know a whole lot about God. But then God's grace finds Abram just like it finds us. And God's call changes everything. That the call of God doesn't, don't miss this, the call of God doesn't come because we're qualified. We're qualified because of God's call. A lot of times we think, oh, well, you know, we got to do something to, to be qualified, well, no, no, no. It's God doing all the work. God's call, God's grace on our lives make us qualified, okay? So that's the what? That's the what? That's the power of God's call. Now let's look at the what? The heart. Okay, you guys are still cheating. Oh my gosh. All right, so the heart of God's call. So verse one, any control freaks in the, in the room, just raise your hand, okay? All right, come on, it's church you're gonna be very uncomfortable like me with verse one. Okay? Here we go, chapter 12, verse one, for all the control freaks out there. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household, in other words, from everything you're familiar with, to the land I will show you. Mhm. Yeah, that's what I thought too. I mean, God doesn't say, Abram, I want you to go 23 minutes up the road to the north. That's where you're going. He he doesn't give Abram an address to enter into the GPS, okay? God says, I will lead you, okay? I want you to get out from everything that's familiar, everything that's comfortable, and I will lead you. I will guide you where to go. Now, the way we work is we wanna know up front what's going to be required of us right we want to know up front what's going to be asked of us we, we you know we want to know you know where we're going to start where we're going to stop we want to know okay god what if i do this what, what am i going to have to start doing okay cuz i'm all, i'm already pretty taxed financially okay so don't get any ideas god you know or what am i going to have to stop doing is what we want to know but those are all just us wanting to stay in control all those excuses that we put up to trusting and following God is just us wanting to call our own shots and not surrendering our will. <laughs> but God, God says to Abram, get out and I will show you later where to go. Okay, here in a couple of chapters, God, God says to Abraham, I'm gonna give you a son. And, and, and Abram says, well, how? And God says, don't worry about that. I'll show you later, just trust me. Abraham and Sarah have a son named Isaac. And then God tells Abraham to take Isaac up on a mountain and sacrifice him. And Abraham says, yeah, but you promised me a son and if I kill the son, then how is all this gonna go down? And God says, just trust me and start climbing. And what happens is that Abraham and Isaac set out on this journey. They reach the mountain. Abraham makes this altar. He ties up Isaac, puts him on the altar. And he's taking the knife and he's about to plunge it into Isaac's heart. And God stops him and says, just don't lay a hand on that boy. Now I know that you trust me. And Abraham looks over and there's a ram caught in the thicket and that becomes the sacrifice. You see, following Jesus, Christianity is this whole new life of a trust and surrender. And to answer the call of God means that we have to get out from underneath and trusting in ourselves. To trusting in our performance and our abilities and to trust in the performance of Jesus on the cross for us. Hebrews 11.8 says, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. So God then gives these promises to Abraham in verse 2 and 3. He says, And I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you'll be a blessing. So, so let's talk about these four promises that God gives uh, Abraham. He says, I'll make you into a great nation. We've, are, we've all heard of the country of Israel the nation of Israel. And we read in the Old Testament that Israel became a superpower. And when when God would work on behalf of the people of Israel, other nations would say, wow, their God must be the one true God. Second promise is I'll make your name great. Did you know that Jews, Muslims, and Christians all consider themselves children of Abraham? That Abraham is their father in the faith. Third, blessing is that he, or third promise is that Abraham would be a blessing. And, and just like God blessed Abraham, he blesses us and he, he doesn't bless us for us, okay? He, he, he blesses us to be a blessing to others. He blesses us to be a blessing to others and to be a blessing to others means that we're going to be intentional about sharing our time and our talents and our resources. And the fourth promise and it's the one that includes us in the the as a child of Abraham, children of Abraham, it says, all the peoples of earth will be blessed. That Jesus comes from the line of Abraham. That's the the what? The what? The what? The heart of God's call. So we have the power heart and now we have the result the result you weren't cheating that time I'm so proud of you the result of God's call and this this point is brief so I'm going to go ahead and ask the band would you guys go ahead and come on up and get ready so I want to go into this response time pretty quick Abraham wasn't blessed or chosen because of his behavior because of his performance, because of his position, because of his past, because of his potential. Abraham was blessed because God's grace and call on his life. See, God chose Abraham. Abraham didn't choose God. And it's still that way with us that God saves us. He does all the saving. We just have to believe and receive. And God does it this way so that you and I have nothing to brag about. You and I have nothing to boast about other than the cross of Jesus. And that people would look and say, oh my gosh, you're so different. What did you do? (laughs) I didn't do anything. Jesus did it all. Oh my gosh, you're so generous. How do you do it? I don't do it. Jesus does it all. You are so forgiving. How do you do it? I don't do it. Jesus does it all. We have absolute nothing to brag about or boast about other than the cross of Jesus Christ. And so here's what this means for us is that none of us are beyond God's reach. Not one of us, not one one family member, not one classmate, not one coworker, not one boss, not one employee, not one teammate, not one neighbor. No one is beyond God's range. And I just want to talk to a couple of parents in the room. And maybe you have a son or daughter, an adult son or daughter who they're no longer seeking the Lord. Maybe they turn their back on the Lord. You need to hear this, you need to let this settle in. Because God is not finished writing their story yet. And that they are not beyond God's reach. And so let's pray for them. Because that's really all we can do is pray in love and beg Jesus to do what only Jesus can do. Then we have a prayer team. We have these prayer cards. You want to you want a prayer request that will fire up our prayer team? I mean, we love praying for sick people. We love praying for people in pain and in need. But what would fire up this prayer team is to begin to pray for the salvation of people we know. And maybe today you just take one of these cards and you write your name, your phone number and who you want them to be praying for. And I hope they are so overwhelmed with prayer requests for salvation and repentance that they have to organize themselves and say, hey, you take these five people, you take these five people, you take these five people. And for the next 10 months while we're going through this storyline series that we're gonna pray that they will see the thread of the gospel and Jesus Christ in their lives. None of us are beyond God's reach. But here's the other side of that, of the result of God's grace in our lives is that uh, we can live our lives out out of gratitude. Because God has done so much for us. That we can say, God, I just want to live my life for you. Because you've done so much for me. I just want to live my life for you. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. First of all, I'm going to ask you to stand. So we're about to sing this song in response. So would you stand with me? And we're going to sing this song for you to put your hands out like this. And I know this may be uncomfortable for some and I'm not gonna ask you to hold your hands out. We're not gonna go Pentecostal here, okay? But this is a posture of worship. It's a, it's a, it's a posture of our body that communicates what's going on in our heart. And just as we sing this, this first chorus, you don't have to leave your hands up the whole time to the song, okay? But just as we sing this first chorus, would you just leave your hands here and say, God, this is my prayer. this this is how I want to live my life. And I know maybe for me, for you, for me, it's like, I know I'm not living this way, but I want to. So God, would you you do that in me? Or maybe your deal is like, this is how I'm living and how I want to continue to live as a response to what you've done for me. So let's worship. Let's respond with our hands out.